Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 258 Sportscast, part 25 of opening up an episode with saying we're back from a brief hiatus. Uh, episode 58 is coming at you right now. Woke up crisp Wednesday morning, a little chill coming through the air. Jet, how's the chill running up on your testicles? Yeah, I mean, I had about six to seven layers on this morning when I went out and uh, <laughs> felt, felt the air. Um, okay. That included... Um, Two short sleeve t-shirts, two long sleeve t-shirts, and then two sweatshirts. I mean, on top of that, I had the sweatpants, the jeans, the boxer briefs, and you know, okay. the first layer, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, but- is the boxer briefs the first layer? Or are you implying there's an extra first layer? Well, I mean, there, you know, there's a. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's why I asked. <laughs> no, I mean it's the first layer of clothing, obviously. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's there's yeah. other stuff behind the. Behind right. the curtain, so to speak. Right, right, right. right. But uh, I got you. Yeah, not what you want to see in our great state of Florida. Um, <laughs> you know, we're known for the sunshine at the Sunshine State. Not much of that today. Gloomy skies, cold temperatures. Um, but it's that time of year, and as us uh, Floridians do, we adapt, and that's what I'm going to do today. And for however many other days, it's cold. Well, truth be told, I felt a little bit old this morning because I unironically texted Jet asking him like how great is this weather <laughs> and apparently he's not enjoying it uh i was really i woke up in a great mood i'm i'm really enjoying you know, the weather so you know for all you guys out there i love i love drop droplets of sweat coming down my face on a hot summer afternoon and i had to just pump up the ac to the max to get those effects of sweat dropping down my face in the car today on the way to school um so i you know i'm able to manage you know but like i said we adapt and i i I was i I will say that what that text was definitely out of pocket not something i expected to to see from you but uh yeah no yeah i I mean i was just i was excited for the recording got a little prop here today this is a glass or a cup that changes color with temperature it was actually turning red inside the cabinet before the water was even put into it. So I, I had to choose it. I was like, you know what? If this doesn't signify the type of day we're going to have, then I don't know what will. Uh, big day, big week in the sports world ahead. Obviously, yeah. Philadelphia fans all around are rejoicing. Phillies, the Flyers are 3-0 and coming off of a big 3-2 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sixers are looking good. And, of course the Eagles are 6-0. and So, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot going on for other sports cities in the world, especially these guys right here. Um, Indianapolis is, you know, jet points behind them to the Hard Rock Casino Cafe Stadium of the field. Um, but a big, big, big week ahead for the sports world. Obviously, championship series are underway. My Philadelphia Phillies have started up 1-0, which seems to be kind of what's going on all postseason for them. They're 7-1 and one now in the playoffs, which is unreal for a team that people thought was going to get swept by the Cardinals. Um, we also have the Yankees and Astros starting today. And, you know, it's kind of an unfortunate situation for the Yankees as they're going to play like they don't get a day's rest in between one series to the next. But they should have handled the Guardians quicker than they did. It's kind of their fault. That rainout game should have never even came to be. Um, and then obviously we have basketball started yesterday. My Sixers starting out 0-1 against a very tough opponent 
in the Boston Celtics. We also have NHL, which we don't talk about on this show because fuck it. Um, and then NFL is in full swing. A lot to go on. Yes. Tomorrow, Jet, we will be heading into a sports equinox, which does not happen very often. Actually happened last year, and I think the last time it happened before last year was like 10 years ago. And what a sports equinox is, is baseball, basketball, and saying MLB, NBA, NFL, and NHL all yeah. happening on the same day. So tomorrow is going to be a fun day for sports yeah. betters out there. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> definitely, it's definitely a great time of year to have all four major sports on at the same time. Um, for sports fans like us and for others out there, it's as good as it gets. Especially, you know, if you have teams that are in the playoffs of, of those specific sports as well. Um, it's, it's an exciting time of the year. And excited for tomorrow and, and the rest of having all four of these sports on at the same time because it's not it's it's only going to be for several more weeks so absolutely and one more announcement we do have to make is we will be recording an episode on friday um that'll either get out to you later friday night or saturday uh and sometime in the morning that we will have a special guest on that is actually a sports book and we may get a little discount code for you guys you guys can get in on the action with a little 258 code which is something exciting jen and i are looking forward to um, but as for this episode jet's going to walk us through the outright winners in our nfl pickums. we're going to talk about our consensus nfl power rankings and we'll get more in depth in our top tens um, we're going to talk about our nba top 10 teams heading into the 2022 season an mlb playoff update and we will as always review thursday night football right before it comes out jet Start us off with our NFL Pick'em standings. Yeah, so I think the last time we talked, I had a, a nice, sizable lead on Tommy in, in terms of our picks and, and in the standings. And the last couple of weeks, Tommy has really steered it in the right direction with a 13-3 and three week back in week four, a 7-9 week, okay, fine, week five, and then a 9-5 and five week in week six, pulling his overall record to 48 40-45-1 and one, uh, for a 515 winning percentage. Myself, I had a 10-6 a and six week back in week four, 7-9 in week five, 5-9 five in week Oof. six. Not, I'm, I'm going in the wrong direction, it looks like. I now have a one-game lead over Tommy, 49-44-1 for a 526 winning percentage. Um, and as far as underdogs go, Tommy has also closed the gap. He got two of his three underdog picks in the Patriots and Seahawks correct. I got one of my four underdog picks correct with the Seahawks. Um, I have an underdog record of 10 and 15. Tommy has an underdog record of 10 and 16. It's only a half game behind me there. Very, very close. Love to see. We, we didn't, you know, I wanted it to be close. So I kind of, you know, took my foot off the gas a little bit. So it's good for the competition. Um, it's good for I'll, the brand. Good for the brand. And and I'm looking to really get get my act together. Um, I haven't gotten a Thursday night football game right since week number three. So I'm, I'm looking to really change, change it, set, set the tone right, and, and get things going in the right direction. So... What are your thoughts on where we stand right now? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, where we stand? I mean, that's a that's a question that can really go many ways, Jet. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I'd like to formally say, you know, Jet, he's not purposefully tanking for the brand. That was what I did 
back in weeks one and two. And and really, you guys know this because if, if some of you listened, you know, maybe episodes one through ten of this great podcast, you would know that Jet and I kind of had a similar system to this. And I was blowing Jet out of the water week in and week out. And it really just wasn't too fair. So weeks one and two, I tanked. I picked every team that I thought would lose to win. Obviously, I'm not going to go perfect, so I got a few wins in there in weeks one and two. Now I'm back, and you know we're in a steamroll jet here towards the latter portion of the season. Yeah, sounds good. Um, <laughs> looking forward to seeing what. Oh, actually, one thing we also need to hit on is is the player props that we've been doing as well. Okay. Um, so I mean this this has never been. Uh, this was never going well for me from the start, and it just hasn't gotten better. <laughs> we started this back in week number three, where I finished with a record of, I believe, five and eleven, and Tommy Oof. finished with a record of uh, eight and eight. So just from from the get go, there wasn't great. Um, going all the way to week six, where I finished with a record of seven and eight, Tommy finished with a record of ten and five. Um, so just, yeah, so overall, I'm at, the overall tw- record? I'm at 28 and 34. Tommy is at 37 and 25. Wow. So a, a nine game lead. It's not my thing. I just, I'm just getting to that conclusion. I wanted Skylar Thompson to get the over. Just didn't hit it. <laughs> he got hurt. Um, I don't think he was on pace to hit it regardless. I, I think he would have hit it. If you, if you played the whole game, I think you would hit it, especially garbage time. I think you would have hit it, but, uh, so two things about this. First of all, um, sounds like I'm a profitable sports better. This needs to be what's on the clip. Put this on the Instagram. Let everybody know. Follow my props. 37 and 25. I mean, you follow every single one. You're up about, if you bet 100 on each play, you're up what? Probably 20, 200 bucks or so? Yeah. Something like that. One, one thing I wanted to mention. Um, or, no, I said that wrong, but whatever. Yeah, no, but I, I, I want to mention something because a couple weeks ago we got a, a DM, some feedback in, in regards to our player props from one of our loyal listeners, um, Aiden Stroh, S-T-R-O-H, if you're familiar with him out there. Um, <laughs> so there was a there was a player prop on Matt Ryan that we did. It was it was an over-under. I think it was the – the Thursday night game against the Broncos where the over-under was set at 233 passing yards. And I get a DM from uh, Aiden Stroh. Jed is delusional in, in quotes. That Those were his <laughs> words. That's not me saying that. Um, and then our social media manager replied, Jed knows his stuff. We need to count on him and Tom's instability. And then uh, he did reply with a bunch of laughing emojis. However... I, I did have the last laugh because I ended up getting that player prop right. And then our social media manager replied, hi, how are you? A couple weeks you know, after that. And then he just replied with a question mark. Never replied since because we'll just leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, we do get a lot of good interaction with these player props. So let us know if you agree, disagree with what we're thinking. Uh, we're definitely going to put out some more polls in regards to uh, the props for the specific games we're focusing on as well as our specific picks. So, a lot of great stuff. We're back and we're we're in business. Yeah. Um, what Jet means by social media, man, because only two people have access to this Instagram account. Um, that being Jet and myself. And considering I've never seen that DM, you guys can really kind of piece together who the social media manager is that Jet's mentioning here. 
Um, yeah, a lot of the times you guys don't have to go through a middle man. You get directly to the stars of the show uh, or, you know, accidental plural there, the star of the show and Jet. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to continue my hot streak on both the pickums and the props, which, you know, I mean, we, we all kind of expected anyway, because IKB, I know ball. Jet. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into our consensus NFL power rankings, which is some, this is something that this is the first time we've ever done it. Um, and I actually really, really like the way it came out. I think if I had to, if I saw a power rankings list like this, I would have no issues with it. A few teams are too high or too low based on, you know, our separate rankings, but um, I think I'll be honest. Good. I think this is the best set of power rankings I've ever put together. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's I wouldn't agree with that one. You kind of ruined the mojo there, but we'll, we'll slowly get back into it. Um, I'm going to quickly run through 32 through 11. Um, we'll talk about our consensus top 10 briefly, um, and then we'll talk about our separate individual top 10s just to kind of give a, a bit of a piece of, you know, why the Bills shouldn't make the top 10. Number 32, the Carol. This is consensus, by the way. We're not we're not talking about our individual uh, 32 through 11. So consensus, 32 through 11. Panthers at 32, Bears at 31, Texans at 30, Commanders at 29, Saints at 28, who've been a massive disappointment all year. Steelers at 27. This is Jets doing. I thought the Steelers looked really good uh, last week. I know the Bucks are really ass. Uh, but I think the Steelers could be a little bit higher. Steelers 27, Cardinals 26, who have been another disappointment. I mean, we didn't think they would be great, but we didn't think they'd be like a bottom 10 team. Jaguars 25, Browns at 24, pending. That's going to be around there until Deshaun Watson comes back. Lions 23, Broncos at 22, fuck them. Falcons at 21. Uh, going back on the fuck them really quickly. If I see if there's any more Broncos prime time, we're we're six weeks through the NFL season, and we've had four prime time Broncos games, and this Sunday we get to watch the Broncos as the only team on again in fucking London or Mexico or wherever they are. Um, <clears throat> let's get back to composure. Seahawks yeah. at twenty, Raiders at nineteen, Patriots at eighteen, Packers at seventeen. Indianapolis Colts at 16, Tennessee Titans at 15, Los Angeles Rams at 14, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 13, Miami Dolphins at 12, San Francisco 49ers at 11. So Colts too low, Steelers a little bit too low, Dolphins way too high, 49ers way too high in my opinion. Well, um, it seems like you it seems like you obviously had the Dolphins higher than I did. I so, did. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, saying something. So, well, and I, and I, that's just your it's, opinion. It's because, yeah. I mean, if, if Tua plays this week, I would have him somewhere in the 20s. But because I do think we're going to see Teddy Two Gloves. Well, we won't. Um, we won't. But okay. So then we recount. Donka, uh, <laughs> Dolphins at 22, well, right behind the Denver Broncos. The only thing I don't think you're taking into account is that the Dolphins are 3 0 with Tua. And obviously, you know, they need him, and he's been good this year. And when he was playing, he was playing at an extremely high level, and I think that's only going to um, improve the Dolphins' chances of progressing in, in the rest of this season. Um, but, yeah, obviously, three-game losing streak, it's hard to put them in the top ten, which I think once Tua comes back, they will be a top ten team. But for now, I, you know, have them slightly outside with – 
outside that top 10 for me, a lot of a lot of teams that are struggling right now that had high hopes coming into the season. A lot. Um, I think there's my one of the one of the ways I put it was like there's four NFC, what I would call like ju- supposed to be juggernauts. Yeah. That are horrendous. Yeah. The Rams, Packers. Niners and Bucks. It's I wouldn't like, say the Niner, Niners are, are struggling as bad as the Bucks or Rams, though. I mean, the Niners, yeah, they had they had a rough rough game. Against I mean, what are the, the Niners? The Niners are like two and four, right? The Niners are three and three, I believe. I mean, aren't these these teams are all three and three? I, I get that, but I think yeah. I mean, all all every team has suffered with some sort of injury. I mean, it's it seems like it's catching up, especially to. The San Francisco 49ers, the, the Bucs are getting have have gotten some guys back healthy. But when I when I look at this 49ers team, it's just the type of thing I've been telling you guys all along. West to East Coast splits. It finally, it finally came into play here with the 49ers traveling to Atlanta. Um, I, I'm not really worried about the 49ers. I think now it's their division. Even even with the Rams and Seahawks tired of them right now, I think the 49ers. Um, had this division, especially with the Rams not being the same team that we expected. Their offense is fine. They're going to get healthy. Their defense is going to get healthy as well. I think you're, I think you're undervaluing the, uh, the team out West. While we're on the, I'm not even going to respond to that. While we're on the topic of West Coast, though, uh, I do want to bring up Aaron Rodgers has been seen on like a podcast and an interview and he post game interview as well. Uh, all this past week saying, let's simplify the offense. We need to get to a West Coast offense. We need to simplify this thing. Um, and then LaFleur was asked, uh, how do you react to Aaron saying that he wants to simplify the offense? And I don't know if you saw this, but LaFleur goes, ah, 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 I really don't know what that means. <laughs> so I don't, I don't understand. Oh. I, mean, I don't know how long Aaron Rodgers' resume has to be. Yeah, for coaches to not come in and just fuck up everything that he's done his whole career. Um, but go ahead. That's your, that's your no, no, you simplify an offense. You're going to look like the Arizona Cardinals, which have the most dumbed down offense possible ran by Cliff Kingsbury. And then obviously when you have a simplified offense, for the most part, defenses are going to figure it out. And that's clearly what they're doing in Arizona, what they were doing in Carolina with Matt Rule as the head coach, obviously is fired now, but um. The NFC is very, very interesting right now. Obviously, the AFC is the more dominant conference, but there's not a single NFC team out of playoff contention. Yeah, not not one. I know, except the Panthers. Yeah, it's just crazy. That I mean, football, football in general has not been a great product on the field this year. I know, I know from like a fantasy perspective, fantasy points are down. Uh, From an NFL perspective, I, I mean. Honestly, we're still seeing a lot of shades of preseason play. I thought maybe we'd get it. All the teams would get it out of their system early on, but a lot of lot of bad football. A lot of bad football. Uh, I, to go to what you were saying about fantasy, this is the lowest fantasy scoring season through six weeks mm-hmm. um, in thirteen years or fourteen years, one of the two. Yeah, and that's like I mean, obviously, a lot of NFL's on the field product is gambling and fantasy football so when those two things aren't hitting and I think this is honestly a way of Vegas making money back because last year is one of the greatest NFL seasons I've ever seen at least um a lot of good teams winning a lot of points scored and now we have this like you know Will Disley is the best receiver on the Seahawks and 
you know, just a lot, a lot of crap of like, you know, Jake Horvath first touchdown score, like no one stuff, nobody's betting on and just a lot of ways for Vegas to make their money back, which, you know, points to NFL potentially being rigged, but I don't necessarily want to make that call uh, with my platform as big as it is. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's get to let's get back to the consensus rankings, shall yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're uh, where are we right now? Okay, uh, number ten, the New York Jets, and and there's a lot of teams on this top ten that if you would have told me they're top ten teams, I probably would have puked. Um, but the New York Jets, we both consensus they are a top ten team in our rankings. They've played very well. I told you, I mean, my two quarterbacks coming into the year that I really wanted to succeed and I really thought would succeed are Jalen Hurts and Zach Wilson. I'd say they're both panning out nicely. Jalen Hurts better than Zach Wilson. Um, Brees Hall has been a monster. But uh, the Jets look good. Sauce Gardner is a fucking tank. And, you know, I was listening back to our last episode and I said Sauce Gardner – was the best cornerback prospect of all time, and I got laughed at a little bit, but he's kind of proving it to be true. So, definitely a small sample size, but I mean, your your point definitely has merit. I think, um, yeah, he's definitely shown that he deserved to go as high as he did. I know there there were some questions, but obviously the Jets, as far as I'm, I have them at eleven, just outside the top ten. So obviously, I you know, I'm, I'm I pretty- had him at nine. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty much you know right there with you. I think what the Jets have done in the draft, especially, um, you know, we saw Michael Carter a year ago. We saw that they had they drafted Quinn and Williams several years back, who was the defensive player of the week. Obviously, Bruce Hall, Sauce Gardner, a lot of great, a lot of great picks. They're building something in New York. I think Zach Wilson's done enough to get the job done. I mean, he definitely hasn't wowed anybody but that defense no. really has been the story and obviously Bruce Hall as well but uh, you know the Jets have you know firmly put themselves in a position to you know take a shot at getting into the playoffs will that hold up I mean I think a big test for them I mean they play the Broncos this week which should should be an interesting game but then they play the Bills I believe in a couple of weeks I think that'll be a huge test for them kind of a, like a measuring stick type game if they're able to just hang hang with the Bills. I think that's 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 something to take note of. But yeah, definitely a, a, a good surprise. Didn't really want this to happen, but it did. No, I mean, I think the Jets. Honestly, like, I mean, there's nothing else to say. Really, Chargers yeah. at nine. Yeah. This team is like back to back years. Really, really disappointing. But mm-hmm. there's not a lot of good teams in the NFL this year, so they still crack the top ten. But I would say where they stand, they have no chance of competing with a top team in a playoff atmosphere. Um, but but they, they come in at nine. Justin Herbert's third in the league in passing yards. He's up there in passing touchdowns. Uh, the defense has all these names. J.C. Jackson actually just got benched for the second half, which, I mean, who saw that coming? Who saw Stephon Gilmore being the best cornerback signing of the offseason? I mean, I did, but who knows? Chargers at nine, Jet. Too high, too low, right where they should be. I mean, I have the Chargers at eight, so it's it's you know right right where where they should be. Again, another team that's been dealing with a ton of injuries. Definitely a huge disappointment so far this season. I think the whole AFC West, besides really the Chiefs, have been disappointing. But Chargers still have a lot of talent, and obviously you have a great quarterback in Justin Herbert, and still I mean still some talented players on that defense as well. I mean they're going to get Joey Bosa back eventually, which is going to be a big boost for the defense. 
I mean, I still think this team is a playoff team. I just think the Super Bowl aspirations that this team had and, and has had, you know, it's just it's, it's not going to come to fruition this year. Right. Yeah, I mean, six weeks through the season, you kind of know what a team is going to give you. Obviously, yeah. teams hit hot streaks, you know, later in the year. Right. Um, but this is really – this is the Chargers. This is what they're going to give you. The defense has looked average. The offense has looked average, probably both – Coming in at above league average, I'm not. I'm not too sure on it, but this is what they're going to give you. Coming in at seven and eight, respectively, a pair of AFC North competitors: Bengals at seven and Ravens at eight. Um, I the Ravens, I had them going fourteen and three this year. I don't, but I also didn't expect the Giants to be as good as they are. Like the the Ravens' schedule in the off season looked like an absolute cakewalk, and it's coming to be not so true. Um, but the Ravens still look good. I think the Ravens are still a really good team. People are shitting on the Ravens, but they've lost to the Dolphins. They've lost to the Bills, and they've lost to the 5-1 and one New York Giants. Uh, and, and that was when the Dolphins were incredibly hot, too. So I don't – people are yeah. shitting on them. I don't see it. Um, and then same thing for the Bengals. They've actually seemed to have hit their stride. I think the Bengals are on the rise more than, more than any other team in the NFL right now. Yeah, the, the thing with the Ravens is, I mean, they've had, what, three games where they had significant leads against the Dolphins' Bills and last week against the Giants, and they just could not get the, the job done, especially at home. I think that type of thing will overcorrect itself as the season goes on, especially playing at home. They, they're not going to be playing that bad for that for that long. I mean, I'm looking at what I had the Ravens going through the first six games. I had them at 5-1 and one with their lone loss to the Bills, um, but – you know, this team is still a very good team. I think Lamar Jackson is going to play more so how he was playing the first couple of weeks, and they're going to figure things out. Um, you know, they have they have a game against the Browns this week. I think that could, you know, serve as as some sort of a, a get-right game for them, and then they got the Bucs and Saints right after before bye week. So I think I think the Ravens will be fine. That's a 3 and a stretch to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're all, especially against the Bucs now, which is a more winnable game than it initially was. I, I definitely agree with that. And then as far as the Bengals go, through the first six games, I had them at three and three, um, which I believe, what, they're three and three right now, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. they, I, the only difference... Actually, they might be four and two. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll uh, I mean, I had them, you know, I had them beating the Saints last week, the Ravens beating them, Dolphins. Bengals are three and three. Yes. Yeah. The only difference I think I had was I had the Bengals beating the Cowboys, but uh, losing to the Dolphins, obviously that that flipped. But with the Bengals, I think this is another, like, against the Saints last week, they showed what they're capable of as far as offensively. And the defense has been fine all year long. It was just a matter of that offense, especially the offensive line getting together. I think they'll be fine as well. It's going to be a tight race for this division. Wouldn't be surprised if either team wins. And then at five and six, two NFC's competitors, Cowboys at five, Giants clocking in at number six. And, I mean, what a surprise this is. Like, the the Cowboys with that, obviously, we, we both had the Cowboys being a pretty rough team, but we couldn't have accounted for a better quarterback coming in and playing for them. Obviously, you know, if we had Dak all year, they'd probably be like two and four right now. Um, but... Cooper Rush gets his first loss as a starting quarterback, which I kind of feel he was told to do. I kind of feel like the not told necessarily, but the game plan may have been like make him look bad. So that way when Dak is healthy and ready to go, there's no questions by the fan base. 
or just by NFL fans in general. Um, and then the Giants, just this is a true testament to what culture can bring to a team. This team, by I mean, yes, they they have they have a lot of pieces. Kayvon Thibodeau has looked good uh, as of late. They have, I mean, just imagine this defense if they had kept uh, the 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 corner that's on the Eagles now that I can't remember his name. They they let uh, go of Bradbury. Yeah, James Bradbury. Yeah, and and I mean, this defense this defense is the real deal. The offense obviously has its questions. Saquon is having his best season since his rookie year out of Penn State, and you know, like the the offense, if Daniel Jones plays well enough, which he obviously has so far, this team can win a lot of games. The receiving core is shaky. Wandale Robinson, I think, maybe a sneaky offensive rookie of the year pick. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I think Daniel Jones really hasn't looked all that awful either. And Brian Dable, the entire locker room has fully bought into everything he's telling them. And I think that this team can actually – potentially make some waves in the playoffs. You think the Giants um, should still be in the market for a quarterback, though? Uh, that's It's a tough one because, like, what what is what is the market for a quarterback right now, yeah. really? There isn't a market for quarterbacks. It's well, like the thing is, they're not going to be in a position now to get one of those, no, those that's top what I'm quarterbacks. Saying. Yeah, so. so it's like, it's, yeah. there's, is there like any the, – like the, not free the agents. Yeah. 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 Is there any free agents this offseason or – I mean, the QB market kind of shifted last offseason yeah. with obviously, you know, Russell right. Wilson, Deshaun Watson, but um, and who who both those guys providing absolutely nothing for their yeah. teams so far. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's a it, tough one. I mean, I think if there was a quarterback market to be in, I think they should be exploring it at least. But I don't think there really is. Lamar anything. Jackson could be available. I don't, but I don't That's, think that, that, you know. that if if they could get Lamar Jackson, I would. Tag him as Super Bowl favorites, but right. I mean, yeah, if they do that, that if that's a possibility, yes. But yeah. outside of that, I think their hands are kind of tied with starting five and one. So yeah. yeah, for me, for the Giants and Cowboys, I got the Giants at um six, got the Cowboys at four. I mean, yeah, they they both have surprised. I had the Cowboys, I think, the first three games going three and three, and, and obviously they're they're four and two. But now with them getting Dak back, I think that is going to I mean, they're playing well already. I think that the offense will be more consistent, though, with Dak. And then the defense has just been just as good, if not maybe better, than what we saw a year ago. And then, obviously, with the Giants, I had them as a six-win team. They're already one win from reaching that mark, which is, you know, like you mentioned, a credit to what Brian Dable has brought. It, it really kind of shows how important coaching is in the NFL. Right. Um, you had Daniel Jones a year ago, and this offense couldn't do anything with their previous regime. And now you bring Brian Dable in, totally different team. The defense was always good. Um, now I think with the offense there too, you're allowing the defense to not be on the field as much, which is definitely good for them. Will they make the playoffs though? I mean – in this can this NFC, they have a real shot at it now. Yeah, real like a real real shot. Yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles have division, um, especially with that head to head win over the Cowboys. That was big, but this is not your know. grandfather's NFC East anymore. No, it's a new I mean, generation. <laughs> very very good way to put it, Jet. Vikings coming at four, and me saying the Vikings over the Packers is just. I just love every second of that prediction. I mean, the Packers I saw falling off. I saw the Vikings on the rise. The Vikings are a five and one team. Yeah. But 
even as someone who has said that they are Super Bowl candidates this year, which I said in the offseason, I still I'm not fully bought into them now. They have down like I am less high on them now after being five and one than I was, and their only loss coming to the six and no Eagles. So and I'm less high on them now than I was in the offseason, which is hard to believe, but all these games are like it's a scrape by a game against Detroit. A scrape by game against Miami without their quarterback. Mm-hmm. A couple other scrape by games that I can't remember. They barely, they barely won in uh, London, yeah. and I don't, uh, I don't see this team. And this is a playoff team. I think this team can still win the division, um, because they already do have the head-to-head over the Packers. But I don't really see their path to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule, and, and overall, it's not a tough schedule in general. And they haven't had a tough schedule besides the Eagles. They've played the Packers, Lions, Saints, Bears, and Dolphins without a quarterback. I mean, they, and like you said, they weren't blowing out any of those teams. And I think it's more so the defense has not been great. Uh, the offense, you know, has had its down moments, but for the most part has been, been pretty consistent. And, and then you look ahead, I mean, they play – the well, they're on by this week, and then week eight they play the Cardinals, then they play the Commanders, then they have a huge test against the Bills and Cowboys back to back. But then they play the Patriots, Jets, um, Lions, Colts, Giants, Packers, and Bears. So, I mean, there, there's some there's some interesting matchups in there which could pose some threats. But for the most part, I think, given with the fact how this NFC is very tough, they're they're definitely going to be a, a playoff team, and it and it's looking like. They're, they're going to win the division as well. I would actually say that the Vikings and Colts are very, very similar teams. I, I don't think that it's a far cry to say that the Colts could be 5-1 and one in the NFC as well. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Be, I mean, the Vikings would most Bias, certainly yeah. have a tie if they were in the AFC. Bias, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no shot the Vikings don't have a tie on that record in, in the AFC. There's just no shot. <laughs> Chiefs at three. Bills at two and Eagles at one. All we both had uh, those three teams in those three slots. Um, start off. Start us off with the Chiefs, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, t- definitely tough loss to the Bills last week. But the Bills are a better team, and no. we know we know how good the Chiefs are, and they're they're going to be they're going to be good for the rest of the season as well. Offense that doesn't look like they missed Tyreek Hill too much, especially with Travis Kelsey kind of. Being Travis Kelsey, Patrick Holmes, still playing at a high level. The defense has had some good young talent step up to the challenge and, and, and produce. But, I mean, I think it's it's a tier drop-off between the Bills and Eagles and Chiefs right now. In, in my opinion, I think the Bills, with what they've done, with, with some of the injuries they've dealt with, have still played really, really well. Obviously, their lone, lo- lone loss coming to, you know, the Dolphins, but uh, they they are a they are an extremely talented team, and and the teams they've beat. I mean, they've beaten the Ravens, they've they've beaten the Chiefs. I mean, these aren't teams that you know aren't good. And I know I know they have some easy wins in there with like the Steelers, but their their Bills are a fantastic team, and you know a lot of them, a lot of us had them as Super Bowl favorites, and they're definitely looking like they are still that team. And then the Eagles, there's just no reason not having them as the number one team until they lose. Um, there's just no reason to take them out of the top spot. Playing at a high level on both sides of the ball, the defense, the offense, um, even special teams, you know, they're, they're playing, playing on all cylinders. And 
Um, yeah, they have an easier schedule, but is it easy considering the NFC East is a lot better this year? I don't think it's as easy as we initially thought, but yeah, the Eagles, Eagles are playing really well right now. Yeah, the Eagles, a lot of people are comparing them to the 2020 Steelers when they went 10-0. and I don't see that at all. The 2020 Steelers were like, not one of their wins was convincing, and not one of them was over like a real like contender in the league. Um, and they also had Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. So that's that's three huge differences already. Jalen Hurts looks – he's an MVP candidate right yeah, now, which, absolutely. you know, when I call him the next Josh Allen – um, I even had Philadelphia Eagles fans laughing at me. So to say that I was dying alone on that hill is an understatement. Um, and I'm very proud of the take. I really am. And I think uh, a lot of NFL GMs out there would, would love to have me on their, on their scouting team. Um, so there's the Eagles. The Bills. Do you think, wait, hold on. Do you think, do you think Jalen Hurts is the favorite to win MVP right now? Or do you think it's someone else? I haven't really looked at the numbers for MVP candidacy, but um, – I would say just because he's the NFL golden boy right now, the MVP favorite's got to be Josh Allen. Well, yeah. Well, right um, now it's – He leads in yards and touchdowns. Right now, too. according to uh, Vegas, it's Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and then Patrick Mahomes in that order. Yeah, I would I would love to see Hurts win the MVP just because, like, if I was to go back-to-back on major sports seasons, say Verlander, uh, AL Cy Young, Jalen Hurts – MVP, both shots in the dark. I mean, it's, it's got to be some. It's got to be worth something. Bills at two. I mean, there's not a lot to say. The Bills are the Bills are a really good team. I hate Josh Allen is my least favorite player in all of football. He is such a crybaby that I, I honestly like. I root so hard against him. Um, and I don't know if I'm the only one that feels this way, but like he, every time he gets sacked, he's talking to the refs. It's like, come on, dude. You you haven't earned. You haven't done anything in the NFL yet. You've won games. That's it. Have you? You haven't done anything to play. Yes, you're, you're mega talented, but I'm tired of seeing you acting like you run the league because you don't. Um, you win a Super Bowl, then we can talk. But other than that, fuck the Bills. They're a good team. Though. Chiefs at three, obviously losing to two top three teams in the league, and those are their only losses. So it's kind of hard to say that they're uh, they're going to fall out of the top three. Uh, obviously losing to the Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts, but. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and it's really – it's not close. He's he's better than Josh Allen. Um, one bad pass, and people are going to forget that, which I is already starting to happen. And I know it's going to continue to happen, uh, but I, I'm not buying into it. Patrick Mahomes, the resume is there. The talent is there. I don't, I don't need to hear people say Josh Allen's better. And if I ever hear uh, – who's, who's the uh, – if I ever hear Romo comparing – Josh Allen, ever again, to Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning, I, I may vomit because that's absolute – Tony Romo, I like your calls. You're a smart, knowledgeable guy. But if you compare Josh Allen to those three ever again until he does something – until he does something that people will remember him for. Because if he was to retire right now, he's another Andrew Luck, right? But if he wins – if he goes and wins two Super Bowls, fine. Other than that, shut the fuck up, bro. So you compare him to Andrew Locke? That's your that that would be your comparison if you were. In the I think that's a great. I think that's a great comparison. Yeah, I think Andrew Locke's a great comparison. I think Andrew Locke had more arm talent, but Josh Allen obviously is, is much better running the ball and probably a little bit smarter with the ball too. But mm-hmm. I think that's a great comparison. Really, what if they, they, neither of them have done anything? And 
I'll, I'll go very, very far into saying that Josh Allen's roster construction has been a million times better than Andrew Luck's were. But yeah. After a brief intermission, the guys at the 25-8 Sports crew have decided it would be best to save NBA power rankings until after the first week of the NBA season, considering the NBA season has already started and this episode has the potential to run on forever. Considering these things, the guys will move on to the MLB update. Thank you. All right, guys, welcome back to 25-8 Sports Middle East Episode Edition. Uh... We got some MLB to get to. I hope you guys heard our teleprompter. I don't even know what word I'm trying to think of. MLB playoff, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, and our predictions for the rest of the postseason. Jet, let's first talk about what's happened so far, actually. Yeah. Let's, let's walk through. Give me the rundown. Yeah, I'll run it down right down your throat. Um, Do it. <laughs> let's get to the postseason here. So we're looking at – let me get to the bracket. Yeah, take your time, man. No, I'm taking it. Uh, let's start on the American League side. We both had the Rays facing off against the Astros in the championship series. That didn't age well. The Rays lost to the Cleveland Indians. Uh, <laughs> they, they lost a three-game set, 2-0. to zero, And the Blue Jays also got swept by the Mariners, which was a good call on your part. Um we then saw the Guardians go down to the Yankees in five games, and we saw the Astros sweep the Mariners like we all kind of expected. So now we're looking at game one happening later on this afternoon between the Astros and the Yankees, and this one will be a little bit more valid as far as predictions goes for what we make because the game hasn't happened yet. Right. So, Jet, are you taking the Yankees or the Astros in game one and then tell me about for the rest of the series? Yeah, so I don't know if if you recall uh, several episodes back, I made a World Series prediction. I think it was in like the middle of the year. Maybe it was before the All-Star break, maybe after. I'm I'm not 100% sure. But I had a prediction that the Yankees and Padres were going to meet in the World Series. This, I think, Yeah, this was before like Juan Soto was traded. Yeah, it was before a lot of it, yeah. Before before the Yankees ended up struggling the, the second half of the season. Um, So... I am rooting for that prediction to happen. I know the Yankees continue to choke year after year, but it's very possible that the Yankees, and it's going to be tough. I mean, first of all, you got game one where you got Jamison Tyon going against the probably Cy Young award winner in Justin Verlander, which, and that's going up against an Astros team that has had a couple days to, to rest. The Yankees are getting right back into it. Fly into Houston, get game one underway. So I think I think the Yankees are gonna lose game one. I think it's it's gonna be a challenge to get get a win like that after the series they just had with the Guardians. However, I think that the Yankees are going to win this series in six games. I just look at this Yankees team. Um, they know what they're up against, and they know that this Astros team is better on paper, but as we've seen in these playoffs so far, on paper does not mean anything with the amount of upsets we've seen in these playoffs. And I think the Yankees are going to embrace that underdog mentality. And we're going to see an upset in this round. The Yankees are going to win in six games. Yeah, to continue to stack the blocks against the Yankees for game one, um, the chances of us seeing two Justin Verlander stinkers in a row are very, very low. Yep. Um, and, a final, and a final block to stack up against the Yankees for game one they're they got the east to central travels going on right now so not not complete east to west you know it's not a full swing but there's a little bit of a turn in there definitely um 
Astros for game 100%. I'm actually calling an Astros sweep here. I think the Astros really? are 7-0 in the postseason heading into the World Series. Um, I, I don't – it's like the Yankees' hope is what? Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole, yeah, he could have a good game. But, I mean, what, what's the point of saying in five when really it could be in four? So, But, the, but they, need, they need other guys to step up. Like, if they could get more right, of that production do. out Badly. of Giancarlo Stanton. Harrison Bader. And, yeah, like some, some – and, and, you know, they, they need their pitching to to be decent. Like, they, they're going up against a, a, a team that has, what, four, you could argue five quality starting pitchers. I mean, the right. Yankees have Cole and Nestor Cortez and – like it, it's, yeah. it's 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 tough. And the thing is, like the Yankees to me, the Yankees are even though they beat the Guardians, I'm still gonna label them as frauds because it's it took three Harrison Bader home runs to beat the yeah. Guardians in five. That's it's not a good look really at all. Um, That's why, like I say, the Yankees are gonna win <laughs> in a large part due to the fact that no, yeah, I, I, get I do that. have that prediction. But right. the Astros are definitely a better team. And we know we know what the history is between these two teams. I just think that the Yankees are going to lose this series. I don't think they're going to get swept just because you know, they they can't go down like that. I just and I just don't see they will. I think they'll if they're 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 going to get a game. It's going to be in New York, and that's probably when Garrett Cole will be on the mound. Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was thinking. So, but I'm not going to say five. I'm just going to say four, just because for the sake of it. Yeah. Um. So Astros seven and zero heading into the World Series. Now let's go to the National League side of the bracket. My Phillies take down the Cardinals in two. And what really set the ball rolling for this, what what people are going to call a Cinderella run type thing if they don't repeat next year as a decent team, uh, is, is a very lucky ninth inning comeback against the St. Louis Cardinals in game one, where I think if we lose that game, we lose the next one and we're done. Yeah. Um, we came back from a, what, four-run deficit in the ninth inning um, and ended up actually winning by two or three runs. And that, that, that's kind of what set the ball rolling yeah. here. But when a young team, or I mean, the Phillies aren't young, but when a, when a team of people that's never really been in the playoffs before, like playoff experience on the Phillies is, is literally zero. Um, and when a team like that starts to kind of believe that's, this is what happens. And that's kind of what I think is happening with the New York giants right now. I think if the giants schedule started, you know, Packers and then Ravens, they started 0-2. I think they're maybe an 0-16 right now. Right. But because they started with a pretty easy schedule, young players start to believe. They believe their head coach. That's what kind of happens, and that's what I think is happening with the Phillies. Um, and then the Padres take down the Mets in three games like we all knew would happen. Um, and then the Phillies go into Atlanta, win one in Atlanta. They split in Atlanta, and then they sweep at home over the Atlanta Braves, the defending World Series champions, and then Padres do a very similar number on the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the two NL favorites, uh, one win in the postseason and done. And really, you could argue the three NL favorites, one win in the yeah. postseason and done with the New York Mets as well. Um, and then Phillies-Padres game two is happening later this afternoon. The Phillies won game one on the heels of an amazing start by Zach Wheeler. Um, Phillies postseason starting pitching ERA right now is at a 105, which is just, it's, it's unheard. I mean, it's not fair. And it's not like that they're, they're facing bad lineups by any stretch. I mean, we have two MVP candidates in the Cardinals, Goldschmidt and Arenado, uh, the Atlanta Braves, Ronald Acuna, Michael Harris burst onto the scene. I mean, ton of, ton of hitting there. And then the Padres, obviously another MVP candidate in Manny Machado, uh, a lot going on in the NL. 
for my Phillies in particular. Game two, Jet, who do you have winning this game? Aaron Nola on the road, or are you going to take Blake Snell at home? I think, I think you know, the Padres know it as well as anyone. They can't leave San Diego without getting one win, especially going to Philadelphia. And um, you can't let the Phillies take two at home because when they get if, – if Philadelphia wins this game, the series is definitely over, especially with the series. The, especially with the series going to Philadelphia. I mean, Aaron Nola going up against him, and especially with how dominant he's been in the postseason, that is not going to be easy at all. But Blake Snell has had some good games in this postseason as well. And I think the, the Padres' bats, maybe not able to take advantage of Aaron Nola, but maybe they can take advantage of the Phillies' bullpen, bullpen a little bit and, and score some runs. And I, so I think the Padres win, win game two. And I think, um, again, going off of my prediction, I think – the Padres are going to win this series, but it's going to be in seven games. I think this series is going to be a lot more entertaining than the Yankees Astros series, which a lot of people wouldn't expect, but the Padres Phillies, the two hottest teams in the playoffs and, you know, Astros too, but the two hottest teams in the national league, obviously with the, the, the two ones remaining, uh, I think it's going to be a very entertaining series, but I think the Padres are going to just, just do enough uh, especially with the, the final game in San Diego, I think they'll be able to get the job done at home. Yeah, this one's interesting to me. Obviously, I want to say, you know, Phillies and four, but I can't do that. Game two is tough. Aaron Nola, 13 innings, nine hits, zero earned runs in the playoffs so far, which, I mean, that's it's, it's unfair, really, as, as an opposing team. Um. He's due. He's due for a bit of a stinker start. I'm not going to label that on him. I don't think he will have one. I think he is is laser focused right now. I think he's going to have a good start. What I do see going in the Padres' favor in this one is the Phillies' hottest hitters are left-handed bats. And Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, mm. um, and I think Blake Snell is a is a really good chance to neutralize yeah. Philadelphia's lineup. Um, so what it's going to take, both teams really, they both have very clear paths to victory in this one. Um, the Padres have to hit our bullpen and we need, the Phillies need either, you know, or not either. We need Castellanos to step up, um, who's been, you know, again, unimpressive in the postseason. Alec Bohm has been bad. Uh, JT Realmuto has been very good, actually. I think JT Realmuto might be our path to victory in this one. Um, I'm going to take the Phillies in game two. Mm-hmm. We go home and then we lose one of our bullpen starts. Uh, I think we win game three with Ranger Suarez game four. We kind of tank it. Mm-hmm. And then we win game five at home in front of the citizens bank crowd behind Zach Wheeler. Um, and then we're looking at a Phillies Astros world series, which I so did call five, five game series started. Yeah. Phillies in five. Interesting. I think uh, actually, you know what? I'm switching it. We lose game three. We win game four. I think Musgrove versus Ranger Suarez is a bit of a, a lopsided. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to give game four, game three to uh, San Diego. We win four and five. Phillies, okay. Phillies Astros, which I called, you know, before the postseason started, but who's counting that? Okay. It's different, different, uh, different predictions. Definitely. Um, I know you'd like to have the same one, but you gotta ride. You gotta ride when oh, you have mid seasons. Yeah, I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta stick with it. By the way, um, I know we didn't 
I mean, I'll just talk about this now. I don't know if we were going to do it anyway, but I think definitely disappointing as far as you know, biggest disappointments is definitely going to be the New York Mets. Yeah. I mean, you can argue, you can argue the Dodgers, but they disappoint every year to begin with the Braves. Yeah. They, they should have done better, but the Mets, but they're given their payroll, given their play all throughout the year, you know, they, they were leading the division all the way up to the final weekend week of the season. And they ended up coughing it up to the Braves. That was disappointing them. Um, not getting the job done against a, t- a Padres team that was struggling. Just like the yeah, Phillies really were struggling. struggling. Yeah. Both teams were struggling. And that kind of leads me to my next point with the Phillies. They're definitely my biggest surprise. You could you can make an argument for the Guardians as well. But the Guardians were playing well towards the, the end of the year. Obviously, they were able to wrap up that division title. But the Phillies, they were on the brink of potentially missing the playoffs with the Brewers you know, right there with them. And, I mean, honestly, that's obviously we know why you picked them. You're you're a Phillies fan, and, and we get that. But well, no, it's, for, it's part of the analysis. No, I mean, from from the outside looking in, <laughs> for a team that's struggling, you need you need something to spark it. And obviously, that game, that comeback against the Cardinals, was the spark for right. the Phillies, and that was kind of what turned you know their chances around. Um, but yeah, very uh, and and the spark for the Padres as well was. Max Scherzer coming out and just leaving balls all over the middle of the plate. Yeah. Like they not, no, not even trolling. Like yeah, no, you leave right. balls over the plate, no matter how bad a team's struggling, if they got Machado and Juan Soto. And I mean, unfortunately it looked like Trent Grisham and Jerks and Profar were really the power yeah. hitters on the Padres in game one against the Mets. But I mean, to go up seven Oh, right. That was, it was seven zero at one point game. Yeah. One. Was. To go up 7-0 against a team that, you know, everybody's labeling as a World Series favorite, which I never understood, um, it's it's big, especially for, you know, what you could also consider a young team. Like Trent Grisham, he's yeah. low 20s. Soto, he's been there, done that, but he's young. Um, I think this – I think the Padres – I mean, I'm not I'm not thrilled about having to play the Padres at least three more games. I'm not. They're, they're a good team, and it, all it takes is, you know, if Juan Soto – just wakes the fuck up like we're in trouble yeah i mean it's, it was just remarkable for both the phillies and padres <laughs> to be able to win those ser- those wild card series on the road like yeah. three games you know when 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 two of them not in your home mm-hmm. ballpark but somewhere else and then they got the job done and that's why it's october baseball yep and the phillies are the phillies are seven and one right now and they've played two games at home all postseason which is really crazy wow um, what else do we got? Oh, let's, uh, I'll, I'll give my biggest surprise and biggest, biggest, uh, whatever the fuck. The biggest disappointment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Biggest yeah. disappointment. I'm going to say the Dodgers. Okay. Even though, you know, we can expect it. Like the Mets part, part of me saying the Dodgers is because I was expecting the Mets to fall off all season, even though they didn't really fall off in the regular season, they still won a hundred games. They still, they still fell off, but the Dodgers, the Dodgers is like, I mean, this is a 115 win team and to go lose, to go lose three out of four to a division rival. When you have home field advantage, you got the better pitching staff, you got the better lineup. That's, it's really, it's disheartening, honestly. Yeah, and they dominated the Padres all season right. long. Yeah, too. yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's tough watch if you're a Dodgers fan, really. Um, I know a few Mets fans that didn't really enjoy the outcome of their series, but regardless, biggest surprise though, for me has to be the Padres, the Phillies. I mean, obviously I expected all this. 
the Padres, it's it's I, I I'm not that's surprising. I don't know what else to say. I don't a stupid segment, bad segment planned by me, whatever. We'll get on to it. World Series prediction now. <laughs> uh, I'm taking the Phillies in four. I'm taking uh <laughs> That's a tough – I think the pitching is going to be the difference if it's the Padres and the Yankees, and I think the Padres have more pitching, so I'm going to say the Padres win in six. Okay. And what if uh, it's the Phillies-Astros then? If it's the Phillies-Astros, I have the Astros in, in uh, four. Really? Yeah. Legitimately a sweep? Yeah. You, Wheeler and Nola don't no, matter. No, I'm kidding. I, 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 think the Astros, I think the Astros wouldn't – honestly, if the Phillies keep playing the way they're playing – I think it goes seven games, but the Astros win. I think Phillies Astros has the potential to be a really good series, and it also has the potential. I think I think Phillies Astros would be the most entertaining series out of out of any combination you could do. So. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, obviously, terrible segment is, though. Terrible segment. Terrible. No, this one's fine. I'm the biggest. That's surprise, not a segment. That's not a segment. That's just like a, you know, whatever. All right, you can see how the chills affecting Jets testes, but uh. <laughs> Let's get on with it, Jet, huh? Let's get on with it. Thursday night football part or no hour four of this webathon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh Thursday night football. What Jet and I have prepared now is obviously our pick. We're gonna pick against the spread. We're gonna pick the over-under, and we're also going to pick a two-leg player prop via prize picks. Jet, let's start with the game itself. Just another great primetime Amazon Prime Thursday night football game. Amazon yeah. Prime is destroying the sport actively. Um, at least next year we get a <laughs> Black Friday game. Friday. So Saints and Cardinals. It's awful. It's 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 awful to even look at. Um, I think it'll be better though than some of the I other games. I just don't. Definitely don't better than it. the Colts Broncos. Definitely gonna be better than Commanders Bears. Um, there's more off. There's more offense on both of these teams. Saints heading into Arizona. Um, not much passing to speak of on either of these squads. Andy Dalton, 580 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Kyler Murray, 1,400 yards, six touchdowns, and four picks. Um, but he does have a 24 KD on Warzone, so you know he's picking and choosing his battles. First things first, I'm going to take the Cardinals to win this game. Um, who do you have winning outright? I, I don't it's, – it's hard. I don't even know how – I don't have an explanation. I just I, – I, I think it's – honestly, it's pretty easy for me. I mean, this one – first of all, the game is going to be in Arizona. Second of all, the Sanchez have way too many injuries. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, it looks like they're not going to play on a short week. And then Chris Olave, um, I think his status is still up in the air. But – Andy Dalton hasn't done a terrible job. I mean, he's, he's kind of leaned on, you know, Alvin Kamara in, in the run game more so than than anything else. But the Cardinals need to get a win here. Um, you know, they're going to be getting DeAndre Hopkins back in this game. However, they're losing Marquise Brown for about six six or so weeks. Maybe James Conner will play, but the Saints' pass offense has pass defense has just not been great, and I think. The Cardinals could take advantage of that with DeAndre Hopkins coming back. And, yeah, the 
the Saints may be able to stop the Cardinals run, rushing offense, but there isn't much to speak of anyways, especially if James Conner doesn't play. So I like the Cardinals to win this game and cover the spread. Yeah, I like the Cardinals to cover as well. I'm going to take under 44 and a half. I really don't think that we see like a, a 24-20 finish. And even if we did, that's still under. I think 44 and a half is entirely too high, um, especially just for how Thursday night football games have been going. Um, hopefully Kirk Herbstreet, you know, gets the runs and misses this game and we don't have to hear him announce. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Not really, but. Player props. Over, you're not going to vote on the over-under? I don't know. It's, it's, no, it's it. um, indifferent. Over-under. Um, under, just because it's Thursday Night Football. I, I don't it – yeah. you're not going to see a great product to begin with, and that usually affects the offense. But under, 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 under. Starting to doubt my picks here, knowing that you are riding with me here. But uh, it's all right. So I get on to prize picks, and funny enough, there's no props for Andy Dalton. <laughs> so I'm just seeing Kyler Murray. Uh, and that's about it. Chris Olave is on there, so I wouldn't bet on that just yet. I would give it a little bit more time for him to decide if he wants to play or not. I am seeing Taysom Hill, though, but not for a quarterback. Whatever, Jet. What's your player prop? Yeah, so I have two. One okay. on the Saints, one on the Cardinals. First one for the Saints, Alvin Kamara. It's looking like Andy Dalton's going to be the starting quarterback again in this game with Jameis Winston, most likely going to be sidelined. Um, therefore, that's going to benefit Alvin Kamara because he's gotten six receptions in the last two games with Andy Dalton starting. Prize Picks has his over-under set at four receptions. I think he goes over that number. Andy Dalton's going to lean on him, especially without Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, most likely. So give me the over there. And then... Let's go to the Cardinal side of things. We have Kyler Murray. Um, I'm going to focus more on his rushing, rushing yards here. And I talked a little bit about how the Saints do have a, a pretty good rushing defense, which is going, I think, affect Kyler Murray. This one last week, he had 100 yards on the ground. Um, his over-under right now is set at 30 and a half. He has eclipsed that number only once in the past five games, or twice in the past five games, last week and the week before, I think he gets under that number. I think the Cardinals are going to rely on passing the ball. They're going to use Hopkins. They're going to use Rondell Moore. Saints have a better run defense anyway, so I think that's that's setting up for him to go under and, and rely on throwing through the air. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking, and I actually just placed this just now, 100 to win $500. I was really liking the way it was looking. Very slow-paced game is what I'm expecting. Neither offense wows me. Um, neither defense technically wows me, but uh, Saints defense a little bit better than the Cardinals. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm taking Alvin Kamara, just what you're saying, over four receptions. I'm taking over 32 and a half receiving yards. I think that's just as likely to happen. You know, you get one good sc one screen with good blocking, you hit it. Um Will Lutz, I have making more than one and a half field goals. I think that's honestly, I think that's a great bet because I mean, once one, one drive with good starting field position, they gain 15 yards, the drive stalls out. Will Lutz is still, he, he's going to benefit. 
And then finally, Kyler Murray is going to go over 0.5 interceptions in this one. Um, I think he's going to have to – he's going to try to throw the ball a little bit more than he has to. Um, with DeAndre Hopkins back, I think we're going to see more deep balls, and I think that's going to be a good chance for a safety to get a ball hawk in there. And, yeah, 100 to pay 500. More than one intercept – more than half an interception for Kyler Murray. Will Lutz to make two-plus field goals and Alvin Kamara to receive for 33-plus yards. All right. Awesome. Um, I guess, yeah, we're hoping, we're hoping it's, it's a much better word we're of the hopefully. day. But without further ado. Uh, <laughs> hyperbole. Hyperbole. Our woat, <laughs> our word of the day for this episode. I know you guys missed it. I know, I know it came back, come, came back at you very quickly. <laughs> Didn't even get a nice um, intermission there. But hyperbole <laughs> is our word of the day for this episode. Um, if you want to use hyperbole in a sentence, you can definitely, definitely do so. I'm about to rattle off a bunch of different ways to use hyperbole in a sentence. However, if you're not familiar with the word, uh, the definition is an extravagant exaggeration, such as, um, mile high ice cream cones is the, is the, example, <laughs> is the example they use. Um, other words for hyperbole, uh, elaboration, embellishment, embroidery, padding, stretching, antonyms meiosis understatement um so there was actually a rabble-rousing athenian politician named hyperbolus hyperbolus is known uh blah 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 whatever okay hyperbole (laughs) (laughs) it is an high it is a hyperbole that the miami heat are going to struggle without pj tucker it is a hyperbole that james harden won't put on a hundred pounds by midseason. I know <laughs> shaved a hundred pounds, but let's be honest. The during the season is really when he puts the weight on. It is a hyperbole that the Rob Thompson factor is why the Phillies are where they are. It is not a, it's nothing to do with him. It's the players. It's the players coming back from that game. Yeah. You know, a manager can a manager can only do so much in, in baseball. He you know he sits there, you know, did his the signs. Um Sets the lineup, talks to, you know, his players, his fellow coaches, his higher-ups. That's about it. It is an hyperbole that the Dolphins season is over. Tua is coming back, and despite the fact that he doesn't remember a thing, he came out and said, I remember a thing from what happened against the Bengals when he suffered that massive concussion. He is back. He's ready to go. Prime time. Going to show how great the Dolphins are, even, even though it's against the an underwhelming Pittsburgh Steelers team. It's a hyperbole that the New York Jets will make the playoffs. I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit. It's a very, very competitive American football conference this year. And you only get seven spots. You only, you're only going to get two teams from the AFC East, in my opinion. And that's going to push another to the side, which is going to be the Jets. What are your thoughts? I got a lot, actually. Quite a few thoughts on this one. Uh, say hyperbole for me. Hyperbole. <laughs> say it. Hyperbole. How how are you saying it? Do you know? Hi- hyperbole. Uh, I think you're throwing an extra B in there. I friend. may well then. You know. You, you're getting a little excited. I kept hearing hyperbole, and I was like a little bit thrown off. Um, but that's all right. So just yell hyperbole like one one B. Hyperbole. 
There you go. Okay. Yeah. He still does attend school, guys. He's we're good. Yeah, absolutely. Don't worry about that. Next, I don't know if you're using hyperbole right, Jet. No, I am. <laughs> what do you mean? Hyperbole is an exaggeration. Yeah. Right? So to say your ice cream's a mile high, that's a hyperbole. To say you're so hungry you could eat a horse, that's a hyperbole. It's, a, it's say, an exaggeration to say that James Harden's not going to put on the weight. We know he is. Like it's an exact. It's an exaggeration. An exact like an exaggeration about that would be like James Harden is gonna gain hundred pounds. That's a hyperbole. Because obviously he's not gonna gain hundred, but he might gain. Well no, no, he will though. That's the thing. So then that's not an exaggeration at all. No, it is that he won't. Like we know he's going to. Okay, that's fine. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I see where you're coming from. Um a good a good example of a hyperbole would be like the Miami Heat uh, in game six of the Sixers heat game last season had about 12 fans in their stadium. That's a hyperbole. Obviously they had about 12,000. Um, another good example of a hyperbole jet might be like uh, the Miami Marlins will win 30 games next season. Obviously they may not ever win that many again, but uh, exaggerating that they win so many games, that's a hyperbole. I mean, you could you could turn it around and say it's exaggeration. They're going to win a, going 115 games. Right, that's a hyperbole. There right, you go. that's that's this exactly what I was going with. But the other things. So read read it read it read one of the read two to me again, not the James Harden one. That 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 a lot of people think the Dolphin season is over. That's an exaggeration. Right, but an exaggeration like it is. hyperbole. It's like a figure of speech. It's not like a like a, a way to say that exaggerated would be like the dolphins may never win again that's a hyperbole well it's an exaggeration it's a hyperbole to say that the dolphin season is over as well is it though well some people out there are saying that and it's just getting started okay uh it's a a hyperbole that people think the jets are going to make the playoffs after having a good game against a team without a quarterback and a a good game against a team that's not even doing well Hyperbole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead and uh, Instagram if you have made it this far in the episode, and let us know who is confused on what hyperbole means, me or Jet. Saturation. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode fifty-eight of the twenty-five-eight Sportscast. I'm your host Tommy Fink, and along with me today, as always, hitting his stance right now. Jet Rosenstein. Jet, say hi. Hi. Jet, say bye. Bye. I'm Tommy. That was Jet. And this was the 25-8 Sportscast. Thanks, everybody.